Made on Ridgeway Sports Podcast, episode number 25. Hunter Keister back here with K Mac. Let's get it. Let's go. Episode 25. Made on Ridgeway Sports Podcast. Had a good week since the last time you heard from us. So, um, a new podcast going to start it off. We are going to be starting off with UFC 277. That is tomorrow night. So, as I pull up this card, Kurt, what do you expect will happen in this card? Ooh. There's a lot of, there's some really good interesting matchups. I mean, Anthony Smith, who once upon a time fought for the belt, is now the, the, the first card on the, you know, the first fight on the main card. That's insane. Um, yes. but with these two top fights of Nunez and Pina versus, and then Marino and France, um, I think those would be two really good fights. Derek Lewis is always usually always puts on a pretty decent fight when he fights. Um, I don't really know much about Palovich, but um, and then you got Alex Perez and Alexandra Pantoja. 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 Oh, yep. that 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 motherfucker looks mean too. Magomed Ankalov. Ankalov. That dude looks mean. That he looks. <laughs> Anthony Smith, you might get. Oh, it's five versus four. That actually be a really good fight. That's crazy. That's so low in the card. It's five versus four. Yeah. Um. They got eleven and five up here. Huh. Good card. Yeah. That, that's definitely good a lineup. Pretty good card. Um. Man. Um. I think in this first fight, I like Anthony Smith in an upset over. I'm going with the underdog in this one. Yep. I'll take Anthony Smith over. Uh. That guy looks. That looks mega mad. Looks really mega mad. Mega mad. <laughs> um. Perez and Pan- Pantoja. It's uh, four versus six. And uh, I don't really know much about either of these guys, to be completely honest. Um, flyweights. I'm going to take... The uh, records are very identical. Um, that, uh, I can click on it. Yeah, Pantoja's yeah. 24 and five, and Alex Perez is 24 and six. Wow, really good. Flyweights. One, one inch height advantage for Perez. Um... Leg or reaches is actually favors. Wow. Okay. Pantoja. Okay. So, I think I'm gonna go. I'm going with Pantoja. Yeah. Yep. I'm going with Pantoja here. Pantoja. Well, that's two for two on me and Kurt's predictions. Um, going into Derek Lewis. The beast. And <laughs> Sergi Palovic. Um, I like Derek Lewis a lot. So, uh, I think he's gonna keep winning. Yep, I'll take Derek Lewis. He's number five right now. His last fight was a loss. Oh, that other one's fifteen and one. He's fifteen and one. Wow. From Russia. Oh, I don't know. Palovich in the upset. Got more reach on him. Palovich in the upset. Never mind. I'm looking at stats. Derek Lewis always that right hand though somehow always gets you though. I'm changing. Finds a way. I'm changing it. I'm taking Palovich. I'm gonna go with Derek Lewis on this one. Okay, I'll take Palovich. Brandon Moreno versus Kai Kara France. This matchup is for the interim flyweight championship. Moreno coming off a loss. Okay, well, looking at these two fighters. Moreno is 19 and 6. France is 24 and 9. Coming off a loss for Moreno and a win for France. The reach is identical with Moreno having one inch better reach 
on his arms and legs, both have one inch. Weight the same, one pound advantage for France. Three, three inch height advantage for Mourinho. And uh, I am a big Mourinho fan from when I watched him fight last. I think yeah. I'm going to go with Mourinho in this fight. I want to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with France on this one. Um, he's the underdog in this in this fight, and he's actually a really good stand-up fighter from what it from what I'm from what it looks like. A lot of his wins by KO and knockout. So, and Reno's a really good submission artist. So, should be good. That'd be should be a good matchup. Yep. We'll see what happens. Yep. I'm gonna take uh, France on this one. Juliana Pina versus Amanda Nunes. Wow, two of the two of the best the women's divisions have to offer. To be honest, this will this will be a very close fight in my opinion, and uh, this should be it's a rematch. Last time we saw these two fight, uh, Nunes got shocked and got rear naked choked. In That's the what I thought. Round. That's what I thought. Yeah, she just got tired. Like she was getting worked. Pena was working hmm. her. I like Pena a lot, but I just I hard. It'd be hard for me to think that Nunes. With, especially with how good she's been in her UFC career, um, it'd be hard for me to expect that he, she doesn't come back with a vengeance. But Juliana Pena is just really good. Um, height and height favors Nunez. Reach is identical. Leg reach favors Nunez a little bit. And uh, twelve and four versus twenty one and five. Um, most of Nunez wins by come by KO or TKO, with fifty percent of uh, Penis wins coming by submission. This will be a very good fight, and I'm gonna take Amanda Nunez to to rectify her loss and to win this one in the main event. Yeah, to me this one's definitely gonna go three fights. I'm taking Nunez in the rematch. I don't see her losing back to back fights. No, no way. I think she'll, uh, you know what? I'll say she'll finish her in the third, maybe the fourth round. I don't see it going five rounds though. Ooh, let's give, let's do, let's do the, let's do the France and Reno. We can actually do it. Let's do them all. We can just start from the top and go from the bottom. So I'll say, I'll say Nunez wins third round TKO. Mourinho and France. I have Mourinho, so I will say Mourinho wins by a second round submission. France is gonna. Finish him second round with a knockout. Derek Lewis, Sergio Palovich, fourth round. Uh, that should be round fight. Yeah, third round. Palovich, does he get knockouts? I don't even know how he wins. Um, I'm gonna look at that right now. Yeah, eighty percent to eighty-one percent. So it's gonna be a slugfest, and I think Palovich wins. Not fourth round or third round. Give me second round knockout, Pilovic. Give me Derek Lewis third round knockout when he's down 2-0. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and that is a lot of Derek Lewis fights, to be honest. Um, Perez and Pantoja. Pantoja. Yep. Um, Give me Pantoja in a decision. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really close fight. Um, I like... I like Pantoja by the decision as well. Yeah, I'll take that. And then uh, 
Mango Man versus Anthony Smith. I like Anthony Smith and a nasty win, three round decision. Three round decision. Um, let's see. Does he does he does he have knockout power these days? Fifty three percent. Oh, he got submission. I like. Uh, give me Anthony Smith in a in a weird in a weird submission third round. Weird submission. Weird submission <laughs> third round. Anthony Smith. And uh, that should do it for our coverage of UFC 277. We will not be doing the whole entire card like we did the last time. We're just going to do stick to the main card. So that is our UFC 277 coverage. And while we're on that, uh, let's move on to our thoughts on finally getting Nate Diaz a fight. He set the headline. UFC 279 on the explosive weekend of September 10th, where a lot of crazy stuff's going to be happening. They uh, put him against, man, I wish I could say his name. Kazmat. Kazmat. Chamov. Yeah. I, I Something like that. Probably saying it. Yeah, we're definitely, wrong, we're definitely butchering these names, but don't don't judge us. Uh, but this is, this is crazy. I really feel like Dana White just, I mean... They did was bitching, so I mean, Dana just said, "Here, take your fight." But I really, I don't see how this goes any good for Nate Diaz. Um, Kazmet is, I think that's his name. You know what I'm talking about at this point. Um, he's very good. He's a very good fighter, and uh, I think he rips the old, tired, worn-out Nate Diaz to shreds. And uh, I, I think he may, he may even make quick work of Nate Diaz. I hope not. For Nate's sake, but I think yeah, they they fed him to the wolves on this one. But Nate's been doubted many many times in his past fights and has found a way to win and made it nasty. At least not going down easy. I mean, just some quick thoughts on that. I'd have to say, I mean, Nate's probably gonna get dogged around for four or five rounds. The only chance he's gonna be able to win is if he gets. Um, if he gets him tired and maybe pulls off a submission, but I mean, his style is more of a, he, I think, pretty sure he's more of a grappling, like a grappling wrestling kind of style. So I don't know. I, I mean, Nate's wanted to fight. So, I mean, who knows? Anything can happen in a fight, but, uh, ooh, this one, this is. He he's got his he's got his hands cut he's got his hands full with this one. Yeah. Yeah, he'll if he can pull out if he pulls off this one, I'll be, I hope the whole the whole fan the whole entire UFC fan base is rooting for Nate on this one. Right. Cause that would just be for him to get that win on his lot last fight of his contract would be It'd be great. I really hope Great for him. Then really he can go somewhere else and just make actual money because right. they don't they don't pay enough in the UFC. That'd be crazy to think about him fighting somewhere else, but they do. They, they do get severely underpaid, and Nate Diaz wants to make some money, and so he'll go and probably try to get that money. I'll do him for it because I feel like they they've never given the Diaz's the proper respect. They've never given them the never. Nick Diaz got a hold out of a yeah. whole career for what they've done for the company and the amount of fights and. They always put on good fights. They had never gotten the proper the proper dues. So I think that'll about do it for 
UFC coverage. Yeah, that's just a little preview. We'll obviously probably do the whole card when that we'll comes go up. more in depth when the time's right, but just had to mention they at least set it up. Yep. Um, so that brings us on to some NFL news this week. Uh, old Julio, Old Bones Jones uh, signed with Tampa Bay for a one-year, six-mil deal. Just kind of give some thoughts on that. Um, Tom Brady actually came calling out to him a few months ago, so I'm not surprised this actually went down. I'm just surprised Julio took this long to actually just go through with it rather than just do it then and there. I guess he wanted to see if he'd get more money, but the rest of the league knows where his value is now. He's just, he's been injury riddled most of his career, and especially the past couple of years, missing at least seven or eight games a season because of hamstring issues. And didn't really show much in Tennessee. And with Atlanta the past few seasons, hasn't really done much. It's just always, it's always the question of what ifs. If he's actually healthy, 100%, he could do really good things there. And arguably give them the best wide receiver corps in the league with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I guess they're saying Chris Godwin's actually really looking good so far and actually is on track to make a pretty decent return. He's not even on the pup list right now, but Julio signs there for a one-year deal. And I think Brady will probably get the most that he can out of him. Yeah, I think uh, this is the best situation for a older Julio to come to a team that you're not going to be asked to play as a one or two anymore. You can come in as a rotational guy, try to stay health, as healthy as you can throughout the season. And then I would really watch for Julio to make a big impact in the, playoffs. the playoffs. Yep. More for I, a red zone. Yeah, I feel like they'll they'll kind of ease him into games here and there, red zone, you know, stuff like that. But I don't see him being in every. He's not going to be every down type of player no. anymore. He'll have his good games though. It just if it all, it all depends on his health, which is just that's the case with some players. Right. If he's actually healthy, I could definitely see him having a good role there in Tampa. Just because you know Brady's going to be slinging it. Yeah. But ah, uh, I just don't. I just don't think he holds uh, this up. This isn't going to put uh, yeah. them over the edge or anything. I don't I think. I don't think he holds up. I just. I don't think it happened. I think that his better playing days were with Atlanta, and I just. I hope that he stays healthy. As a football fan, obviously, I don't want him to tear up no. uh, the NFL, but um, I hope that he stays healthy, and that will be an interesting combo if he could stay healthy. Him and Brady playing together. Um, but we will see. We will see. We will see. Um, I like the move. I just I don't know if he'll stay healthy. But the move is uh makes on paper it makes a yeah, lot of sense. On paper it makes a hundred percent. So I'm not mad at it, but I just don't know if it'll happen or he'll stay healthy. But moving on uh to another receiver, uh, DK Metcalf got a three year, seventy two million dollar extension, um from Seattle with and, a th- with a thirty million dollar signing bonus that made him the highest. That was the highest bonus given to a receiver or a player or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Crazy. Um, DK gets paid. He deserves it. He's going to be there number one for a while now. And uh, he just doesn't have a quarterback to get the ball. But sucks. But that's, he that's, got paid. Yeah. He got paid at least. He got his money. I just wish they had someone to throw it to him. But yeah. Drew Locke is not it. I, I don't think he is either. But, man, they Seattle, Seattle must have saw something for them to not take yeah. a chance at a quarterback. Um, Pete Carroll must really like what he sees with yeah. Drew Locke or something. I just right. that situation to me doesn't make any sense at all. Went and got Bake. Yeah, I think so too. I think Baker's Baker made, better than Drew Baker Locke. made a lot of sense to go to Seattle. 
I don't, I'll be really interested to see if that ever comes out as to why he didn't go there. But that just seemed like a perfect fit to me and it just never happened, uh, which is crazy. Never transpired. But DK, definitely well worth the money. He's been a good receiver since he came out in 2019. Just um, never got the, they just never really got him the ball a whole lot. And I don't know why. They never did. In 2020, they did. But last year, well, Russell was hurt last year. But last year, they didn't really, I don't know. They just never really threw him the ball. And I have no clue why. But the dude definitely has potential to be one of the best receivers. His, You guys all know how big he is. He's like six. He's, he, he's a monster. Yeah. He, he literally looks like Calvin 2.0 to me. He, he had he's that, way faster than you think. He had that. He had that in my. The dude tried and went and ran for the Olympics and tried making the track team. Right in the off season, he's got some crazy speed for being that tall and that big size wise. But I think that Drew Locke just holds him back. And uh, unfortunately, yeah. Seattle, I don't. Especially in that division now, with everybody getting better, but them pretty much. They're, they're yeah, gonna, they're the bottom. They're feeders. gonna fall. Off, yeah, they're gonna fall off. Pace with Arizona, San Fran, and Los Angeles, the Rams. Yeah. I believe they'll no chance. fall off the wagon pretty fast, but hopefully that could potentially set them up to get a good quarterback in next year's draft, and they could have a, a good offense. Potentially, yeah. They could get a decent quarterback. But as for right now, DK gets paid, and he'll have to suffer through a couple years of some bad quarterback play probably. but Mediocre at best. Yep. Seattle's in full rebuild now. I wonder how long they'll give Pete Carroll. He's on. He's been on the hot seat for a minute. He really I has. think ever since that Super Bowl, he's been on the hot seat, honestly. Yeah, I would say so, too. Low-key, even though it's been eight years, but still. He ain't, really, he ain't done nothing, really. No, not not since that. Not since then. Right. So I think that'll do it then for NFL coverage, which brings us to a pretty interesting off-season topic here. Um, of a begging question of for Michigan's football team heading into the 2022 season. Who do we think has more pressure on them? Michigan's offense or defense to help carry the load, you know, give us a successful season? I think, gosh, you can go both ways with this. You really can. But to me, I want to say... Just because I'm over a defensive guy, I'm going to say there's more pressure on the defense heading into the season. Um, to me, the losses of Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, and Daxon Hill might just be, they might just prove to be a little bit of a ch- too much of a loss. And then losing our previous D coordinator to Baltimore as their D coordinator now. That's where he went, right? Yeah. Mike McD- yep. Yeah. Big Mike. And, you know, I know we brought in the Notre Dame guy, the defensive line coach, or the assistant, right? No. no our, I thought well, he was he's Notre a, Dame. He's, no. Our, our, or do we promote from within? Our coordinator now is from Vanderbilt. Um, you sure about that? That's where he started, but he okay. was he was he was the other one on Baltimore staff. He was from Baltimore staff. You're right. Ohio. You're right. You're right. But he but he was from Vanderbilt or something like that. But anyways, we pick up Jesse Minter and hope that he can run the Baltimore schemed defense. Um, like I don't, the scheme, I don't think the schemes have changed too much, but I'm just kind of I'm a little bit wary on who's going to step up in those spots for me. 
I mean, I feel like the secondary is still going to be pretty solid, but, you know, you still need that. You, you just need you need great players in your front seven to really help your secondary. This is how the game works. And so, for me, I feel like there's definitely more pressure on the defense because if they're allowing 30-plus points a game, then they're not. They, they, they're, it just, when you have a good defense, everything else just works so much better, in my opinion. You know, you're not... You're not having to score 40, 40 plus points like in the Big 12. Like, nah. So with the losses on defense, and I feel like we always, every year though, we always find guys to step up and, and the front seven on the edge. But for me this year, I, I think it's definitely more on the defense. Yeah, okay. Well, to play devil advocate, I will take the side of the offense being more important. And I will tell you why. So, with us, most likely at this point, going to run a two-quarterback system to start the year at least. I think that adds ample pressure by itself. To, to just start on the surface, you got a quarterback battle that probably won't even be finished by the time the season starts. So now it's like you got pressure on the offense, coordinator-wise, player-wise, because they haven't picked a starter. So they'll probably just roll 1A, 1B for like the first couple games and then who knows, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that that puts pressure on them. I think that you you don't lose as much on the defense, but how will two offensive coordinators trying to to mesh an offense together, Mm -hmm. how will that also affect... How's that going to transpire? Right. How's that going to affect with play calling and things of that nature? I think that Hassan Haskins is a pretty big loss. Um, I like that we kept our offensive line intact pretty much. And, and we added to it. We got better. Also, the center position absolutely got better. We lost our starter and still got better, which is absolutely insane. But they got one of the top guys in the country. So, um, your receiver room is good, but... Just that, that quarterback controversy by itself, to me, gives you enough to say that there's a lot of pressure because it, it comes back to Harbaugh, and you can't really say that Harbaugh is more offense than defense or defense than offense, but it's still, it's a lot of pressure. I feel like he's more of a defensive-minded coach. Right, and it's, but it's a lot of pressure on him that is, if he makes the right move or not because if this fails and they look terrible with two quarterbacks, he looks like an absolute idiot. Mm-hmm. Especially if there's a case that, like, he's still doing the quarterback system and one quarterback is outplaying the other by a landslide. It, just, it makes him look terrible, so that just adds more pressure. Like Kurt said in the beginning, you can absolutely turn this both ways, and there's a lot of losses on both sides. But I would just say there's more pressure on the defense because we have all the good players in our offense. That is, that is fair. That is very fair. When you look at the team, we're probably looking at more of an offensive-oriented team. So, if we're scoring the points, then the defense just has to hold the other team to below. I'd say if we can hold everyone to below 24 points, I don't see why we can't win every game. Yeah, I think we can put up. Maybe even 21 points. I think our offense can could, could put up 27 to 30 a game. I could There's no that. reason to doubt that at all. Not this season. Not for this season, at least. And that's the biggest thing, because we know we're in a good offense, so if we have a good defense, then we're set. Oh, yeah, yeah. If our defense is even And with what Jim said earlier in the week, he said he thinks this 
this season's unit on defense has the potential better than last year's. Yeah, I think that's a very that's a very those are very, very strong bold. words. I mean, you look you look really bad if you say that, and you're completely wrong. So those are very bold words, especially at Big Ten Media Day with all the eyes on you. Um, very bold, but I like it. I do like it. And, but it shows uh, confidence. It shows confidence so. in your team. So I, I like that the confidence come back out. Um, to me, Michigan, this, this year they seem like they're willing to go into any game in battle. I don't think there's going to be any team they're scared of this year. Like Ohio State, I don't think we're scared of them. I think that we come in and we know what needs to be done. We did it now. All these guys that are coming back this year have beaten Ohio State. They know what it takes. So now it's just time to come and go down there and execute where it matters. And um, but that's a well, way farther away conversation as we are still yes. seven weeks out from the opening game. But I would just play devil's advocate. Obviously, if I'm if I'm looking at it just with my personal opinion, it's probably definitely the defense. But I just like to play devil's advocate when I can, just to give you guys. Because I mean, then you could even argue the offense is right. more under pressure because they're expected to carry the load. Yeah, because because the defense is so depleted, I feel like that puts more not depleted, but they lost so much. That now puts more pressure on the offense. They lost offense. a lot, and there's just too many uncertainties right, right now. That puts a lot more pressure can, on the they offense. Can show, they can prove, yeah, they can show everything. They can answer all those questions within the first couple of weeks. Was that, a, was that it? Yeah. I'm still going with the defense, though. More pressure on defense. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely say um, it's close, but I would definitely probably favor the defense as well. But I'll play devil, I play devil's advocate and talk about the offense. So let us know your comments. Michigan fans, non-Michigan fans, what do you think? What is Michigan under the most pressure for offense or defense? Let us know. But I think that will do it for this episode of this podcast. Episode number 25 in the books, Made on Which Way Sports Podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, share. Uh, give us topic ideas. We're ha- we're almost we're so close to this season. I promise you guys. We're only a few days away from August. You don't want to miss what we have planned for this football season. I hope you guys had a great week and have a great week. Until next week, we will see you guys next time. Peace. Adios.